0: Thank you.
1: Aftershock. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm Phil Leva here with Alex Morgan and Robert Jonas. And gentlemen, the Quakes have just won against the LA Galaxy and Carson 3 to 2. Now, according to the Fox broadcast, this is the first time this has happened. Uh, consecutive matches, wins on the road against the Galaxy in the history of the rivalry. Now, I want to kick it over to you first, Alex, because when uh, last time I spoke to you, not after the Toronto match, but prior, the last time I was on the show, you were very optimistic about the team moving forward. And I think this is your chance to kind of stick it to the naysayers a little bit. So what say you, Alex? What are your thoughts after this match?
0: Look, if, if the San Jose Earthquakes can play like this on the road, then I think they're perfectly capable of of being a playoff team. This was their first road win of the season. At home, they've had a solid record. At home, their record has been solid enough to take them to the playoffs, but they've really, really struggled on the road. Thankfully, the LA Galaxy gifted them their first road win of the season. It's one of just five games uh, the Quakes play on national television this season, uh, and they sure know how to put on a show because the first half was Easily one of their best halves of soccer this season. I think it was their best half of soccer since that uh, second half against the Seattle Sounders back in April when they won uh, four to three. Because uh, they they were leagues better than the LA Galaxy. They were quick in transition. They were really dangerous up top. Jeremy Abobase looked great. Jamira Montero looked great. Uh, and they they clinched it in the first half, and you know the Quakes like to make things stressful. Uh, they're an entertaining team to watch. They had to give us something to to watch for in the second half, uh, but they were able to hold on. And uh, and and I think it was a, a huge step for the team to be able to to seal their first road win of the season.
1: And Robert Jonas, really glad to have you back here on the show with us. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts. What do you think? Uh, got a three two win here against LA Galaxy on the road.
2: Yeah, as I, as I tweeted, I uh, was holding my breath there for the last 10 minutes or so, but uh, <laughs> definitely want to echo something Alex said. That first half was a really good performance by the Quakes. You know, the Galaxy were a bit short-handed with a few players out. Uh, they had Victor Vasquez as their center midfielder. And while he's a great ball controller, he's a bit of a slower player. And, and the Quakes took advantage of that and, and pressed and, and really dictated the pace of the game and, and kept the Galaxy on their on their back foot. Didn't look like a, as much of an engaged Galaxy team as uh, this, we saw in the Second half, and so building that three nothing lead was a was, uh, you know, vital importance. Um, I, I was impressed all night. JT doing JT things in goal, like we expect of him. Uh, Marcos Lopez was a player that really caught my attention. You know, not just getting the game winning goal ultimately, but uh, seemed to be in the right places at the right time and uh, stayed on his feet a lot, which we uh, we always want to see him do that. We know he's a much better defender if he's uh, up on his feet. And so uh, overall, just a, a very encouraging performance. And if you're going to get your first road win of the, of the season, uh, might as well be at the Galaxy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I agree there. Um... Marcos Lopez with a with a pretty stellar performance. And he did score a goal in this match as well. As we saw, he had a pretty brilliant run going down the left uh, left side of the midfield there and finding Benji Kakanovich. And this is one of those moments when he kind of like drew the defenders in. He was able to get rid of the ball very quickly, find Benji, and Benji knew right away what to do with it in order to deliver that pass into Marcos Lopez so he could score the goal from what was a seemingly impossible angle. Um, but what this tells me about the team, guys, is that they are making those, like, those passes that are anticipating the runs from their teammates rather than looking for the pass, finding what's in the moment, and going with that. So it's, it's kind of like we're seeing the team gel quite a bit here, and it's looking really great. And one thing that was really impressive to me, um, Alex, I'm not sure if you mentioned Benji Kekanovic, but I thought that Benji also had a pretty solid game, and he came out uh, right off the bat and won the penalty and set up um, Espinoza to score that first goal. So, you know, kind of setting the tone for the team there. Um, Alex, you you mentioned Jamiro Montero in this match. I'm curious as to what you think, you know, specifically uh, what Montero was able to contribute to the team in order to, you know, push them forward and, and get this victory against L.A.
0: Look, Jamiro Montero is, I think, one of the best attacking midfielders in, in Major League Soccer. Uh, I think... Uh, he doesn't really get the the credit that he deserves. I think he probably surprised a lot of people tonight watching this national broadcast uh, because he's able to find passes and, and unlock uh, you know passes in the attack that nobody else on this San Jose Earthquakes team is able to do. And I was particularly impressed with his assist to Jeremy Abobasi because I thought I was begging for him to shoot that ball when he received that cutback at the top of the box. Uh, but the composure and the the presence to be able to to hold up the ball and then play Jeremy obobasi in for that uh, that goal was was really quite striking, and I love the connection that he has with Benji Kakanovic and Jeremy Obobasi up top. Those three are starting to have a really solid connection. I think that uh, Benji Kakanovic has solidified his place in the starting lineup with the performance that he's had in the last three games. Alex Cavallo gave him uh, you know the the starting spot when when Cade Cowell went away to the US uh, U20 national team camp. Cade Cowell played well at that tournament, but he's come back to to San Jose and 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 Kinkanovic has uh, stolen that spot from him because he's got multiple goals. He's one of their most dangerous players in transition as well. I thought that the San Jose Earthquakes transition play in the first half of this game was really, really strong, in part because the LA Galaxy were awful. In transition, Their midfield might have been the laziest midfield performance that I've seen this season of any team. Uh, but San Jose were able to exploit that. And, and that's the way that I want San Jose to play. I think that they're dangerous when they're playing quickly in attack, when they're playing directly, when they're looking for balls in behind, when they're getting the ball out wide. Uh, it's the players that have pace on the wings. Uh, that's what made them successful tonight. And if they keep doing that this season, I think it will continue to make them successful and they will be a strong team that can continue to climb their way up the Western Conference
1: standings. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of comments in the chat here about uh, Jamiro Montero saying that he needs to get a raise. One person even saying that he's probably not going to get it here. <laughs> but I do think I agree that that Montero is the guy who is really kind of I wouldn't say put the team on his back because there's a there's a distribution of talent that we're seeing that is pretty uncommon with this team you know that we haven't seen in, in a, quite a long time. But I would say that Montero is the pacemaker for the team. And the word you used, Alex, that I agree with is composure. Um, he does draw defenders in very well, and he knows what to do with the ball in those moments of pressure. Another thing that he does really well, and he talked about this in the beginning of the season in one of the first press conferences um, after the match, is that he uh, anticipates, like really, you know, he knows what to do with the ball as soon as he gets it at his feet. And so I think that's that's a really important quality that he brings to the team. And I think it's starting to rub off on some other players. We saw it with Benji Kukanovic on the assist that he got uh, when he laid it off to Marcos Lopez there.
0: And, and I just want to jump in because there's a comment I saw here in the chat that, that Montero wasn't getting love from the national broadcasters. I think that a lot of the perception of the the Quakes uh, team Uh, at the national level, is still kind of stuck back in 2019 when everything was going through Christian Espinosa. This San Jose Earthquakes attack is more than just Christian Espinosa right now. Everything is running through Jameer Rontero in the middle. And they also have one of the top scorers in the league in Jeremy Obobese. This team has multiple offensive weapons right now. It is not the team it was in 2019 anymore. They have pace on both wings. They have excellent number 10. And they have one of the deadliest finishers who really should be an all-star in this league and was snubbed by, by not being named an, an MLS All-Star uh, last week when, when those ballots were announced.
1: Yeah, and Robert, I'm curious as to your thoughts about the attack as well.
0: Yeah, just kind of. I, I think it's
2: a, a very good point Alex is making. You know, that we we've seen some really good wing players come through San Jose in recent seasons. Um, but having someone in the center of the park who can link them effectively, you know, that was Jackson Ewell, but he was playing in a much deeper position at times. You know, with Montero playing much higher up the field and looking either way and, and getting people involved, that's been such a, a game changer. You know, he was not damaged goods in Philadelphia. He was simply a player that they decided to move away from and go with a, a youth movement. And I, I know he took that personal. And he's not an old player. You know, so coming to San Jose, not only does he uh, come in as a great player, he has something to prove. And, and it's great to see him out on the field, you know, really show, you know, a quality opponent on national TV that, you know, he is this team's MVP right now. And j a close second in that, you know, given the goal scoring. But, you know, nothing happens if Montero is not playing at the level he is right now.
1: And I am I am a bit curious here about what your thoughts are uh, as far as Alex Covello's game plan and the formation he came out with with this team, Uh, because we saw early on they were aggressive. They played heavy on the ball. As you mentioned, Alex, Um, L.A. was really lazy. They came out flat and it wasn't until the second half when we saw uh, Kevin Cabral come on. And I think it was uh, they, they had another substitution there as well but uh, it, we really didn't see them come alive until that point. So I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are in terms of you know what Alex Covello's approach was here and what you were seeing on the field.
0: Look, this was the best that San Jose's midfield played so far this season. This was the best midfield performance we've seen from San Jose. Recently, Alex Covello switched from a 4-1-4-1 a 4-1 with one center defensive midfielder to a 4-2-3-1 with two. Uh, and, and that's given San Jose, I think, a little more... Uh, defensive solidity in the middle. Uh, but I don't really think they found uh, the right partnership yet. Tonight, it was Eric Rometty and Jackson Ewell in the midfield together, and I thought they played very well. I thought that Eric Rometty was very good at shuttling the ball up and down the field. I thought that Jackson Ewell had the time to pick out his passes, uh, and they were able to connect well with Jameer Montero as well. So I would look to the midfield tonight as as the place where where this performance really coalesced uh, together, because that's yeah. some a, a part of the field where San Jose have, have really struggled recently.
1: You know, it's really interesting that you say that, Alex, because I was thinking that the Quakes were kind of missing a little bit of pass distribution from that part of the field. I was thinking about when Jan Gregoosh was getting the start a couple games ago and how effective he was uh, delivering the ball to the wings from that sort of like deep-lying number six position. And so I think when he came on, there was a little bit of a difference there, but I'm not sure it quite had the impact that the Quakes needed, considering that Galaxy was yeah. throwing it all in. Okay, it looks like we're going over to the press conference. Hi, right. right. good evening, everyone, and thank we're you for joining, joining us today. Up. After
3: the place 3-2 win over the Alley Galaxy, uh, we're now going to interim head coach Alex Coelho. So let's go straight to questions, uh, starting with Jamin Moore.
4: Unmuted. Hi, Coach. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us tonight. Congratulations on the win. Obviously, in a game where you have a 3-0 lead at halftime, it's going to be a different kind of game. Uh, you're going to have a different set of tactics in order to protect the lead that you've built to that point. What were your thoughts coming into the second half? LA Galaxy came out fast and scored a goal two minutes into the second half. You know, what are you? What are your thoughts at that point about you know how you're going to manage this game through the end? Thank you.
5: Hey, you well, first of all, I think that we need to read two different games today. One One first half uh, where we play amazing. I think one of the best halves that. We have been playing until uh, during during this period of time, this season, and um, then the second half. Um, I think that was important also to break that barrier psychologically. You know, uh, it's our first win. You know, yes, we were 3-0. We played amazing. Um, Galaxy made some substitutions right away in the second half, and then they scored so so early. We knew that uh, we had to suffer. We said at the beginning we need to enjoy together and and suffer together and and we suffered that's why uh, we got the three points today second half i think we suffered too much and uh, we stopped to play uh the next question robert
3: uh
2: thanks you know coach you you said it and we were talking about it in our post game show that was an incredible half of soccer in the first half tonight you know, what was it that uh, impressed you most about your team's performance, especially in that half, but game, you know, the game overall, and and what do you hope to kind of replicate from that as you move forward? This was a quite a statement win, and, and could really be a springboard for you guys.
5: Well, at the end, the, the players are the the, the starters or so the, the most important the people here playing. So I think that they start with a lot of personality. We were able to circulate the ball to get him behind to turn when, when we could in, in those pockets, pockets that they the galaxy led us to to play and um, well each, each game is different as you know and, and we have to prepare the next one where, against houston um, sometimes we will we will be able to play like that sometimes we will suffer a little bit more and but we need to try to play like the first half we did in the second half they push and and we have to defend jt had an amazing save today again i think it's growing a lot um, and also we defend the boxes i think that is psychological too what's important this victory thank you alex uh, a
3: reminder to everyone please keep your cameras off at all times and when called upon go ahead and mute and unmute your mic uh, next question comes from Sidney,
6: uh from MLSLocker.com. Go ahead, Sydney. Hi Alex, good evening. Congratulations on the win. Uh, in terms of this rivalry, I believe this is the second time in a row you all, all wanted Carson. That's the first time that's happened. It also is the first real win of the year. How do you all use this as a springboard movie forward in the season? Thank you.
5: Thank you. I think I didn't, I didn't hear well the questions. Excuse me.
6: So sorry I'll, I'll repeat it uh, this is your first world win of the win of the year and also yeah. it's your second time in a row winning in carson and that's the first time that has ever happened for your club how do you use this as a springboard for the remainder of the season
5: well i think that um, always have a win here in carson against galaxy is, is so important this is my first time I think that this is the first win in a row, as you said. We need to have this example or take this game to to take advantage of the good things that we did and uh, and move forward, move on because uh, next game is going is going to happen Sunday uh, is here. Thank you. Let's take a couple more, uh, starting with Alex Morgan, and then following up with Lee College. Go ahead,
3: Alex.
0: Uh, hi, Alex. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, and, and congratulations on the the win. This was your first road win of the season, and given the the way you have this team playing and the improvements that you've made, uh, I think a lot of people are wondering uh, whether uh, you know you will be re-signed as the or made the permanent head coach for San Jose. So I'm wondering if if that's a role that you're seeking that you want. Uh, to be able to, to to take over for this team on a permanent basis? And, you know, if you are made the permanent head coach, where do you think you can take this team? If you think you can take this team, you know, to realistically to the playoffs by the end of the season?
5: Look, Alex, I think that um, I said at the beginning, um, when we start the game uh, against Seattle, we have to go game by game. We don't know what is going to happen if that happened then i would think about it and i think that the, the club has a very very clear um, idea about what he has to do in relation with have a clear line between academy and, and first team doesn't mean anything but uh, i think we have to go game by game alex thank you let's take uh
3: one more in english from marco college
7: Hey Alex, congratulations on your first road to win of the season. Did you, did your you and your team learn a valuable lesson tonight in that you guys have to stay aggressive,
3: especially in that second half, not just sit back and play a pre prevent style, which you guys did and
5: allowed LA to come back and score two goals on you. Yeah, well, they, the the decisions they made in the in the second half, I think they were important. There was a moment that our idea was not to to sit back, honestly. But obviously when the opponent push you when they are playing at home, you know, you have to adapt and, and adjust a little bit your, your style. And because if you go like crazy to press and your back line doesn't push, you know, then happen with what sometimes happen in the second half. Uh, so I think that the guys read quite well in the second half, suffering, trying to defend the box, trying to avoid shots from the door, of the box. Again, J T had a very good second half, um, but algo que that happens in soccer. You have to suffer when you play away. Thank okay, Alex. Let's go ahead
3: and take two questions now in Spanish from Carlos
8: UC. Alex, eh, buenas noches. Primero, eh, felicidades por la victoria. Felicidades por la victoria en un clásico. Eh, yo te había preguntado hace un par de semanas eh, antes de que fuera el partido que, que no se pudo jugar, que se movió para septiembre. Si sí, sí era sí era especial, ¿no? Que uno no prepara sus partidos de manera especial, propiamente, pero que era especial ganarlo, ¿no? Entonces, yo lo dividiría lo dividiría en tres, eh, mi pregunta, para que sean tres momentos de los que quiero que me hables. El primero es, ¿para ti qué se siente poder ganar un clásico, poder ganar un partido especial, que además significa ganar el primer partido de visitante en la temporada? El segundo... La primera mitad que tiene el equipo, que creo que es la mejor, tú lo dijiste hace rato, creo que es la mejor mitad que le le hemos visto al equipo en en mucho tiempo. Y la última que te sirve, yo creo que un poquito, para también espabilar y no quedarse eh, sentados en lo bien que jugaron, el hecho de que te meten esos dos goles, porque vienen muchos partidos consecutivos, ¿no? Viene el domingo, luego hay que enfrentar al Celta a mitad de semana, aunque sea amistoso, y viene
3: uno más,
5: Bueno, creo que has contestado tú la pregunta. (risa) Eh... O sea, sí, hicimos una gran primera parte. Creo que esta es la idea con la que queremos jugar cuando tenemos el balón y cuando no tenemos también. Seguir. Eso ya se ha visto también, la presión y, y, y la idea de querer recuperar balones altos. Y a la vez, eh, pues sí, entender que, que, que no nos podemos relajar porque, bueno, eh, también lo dicen los números, no estamos recibiendo goles y, y hay que intentar parar eso. Y eso se hace con... Con insistencia y seguir trabajando y, y, y tener la cabeza bien y, y no perder la concentración en los partidos y, y saber cuándo sufrir y, y, y cuándo dar un paso adelante. Eso lleva lleva trabajo. Digamos, eh, creo que este es el de ligas son 12 partidos. Desde, y, que, y, a, desde que empezamos.
8: Y, y, lo, y lo especial todas maneras que es ganar un clásico, ¿no? Igual es especial poder ganarlo y además ganar visitar.
5: Hombre, la verdad es que es especial. Es especial, Quiero se lo comentaba a Leeds, no antes del partido. La última vez que estuve en el banquillo aquí fue con, con, con él y con Steve Ralston en el 2017, que ganamos. Y es otra cosa estar aquí abajo. Así que ahora, poquito tiempo para disfrutarlo porque tenemos Houston, pero, pero es especial, es especial y ganar fuera de casa que los chicos lo necesitaban. Estamos intentando, estábamos ahí, te ponías por delante o empatabas, pero. No encontramos la forma de, de sacar tres puntos y hoy aquí contra este rival en California se lo merecen. Los chicos se lo merecen mucho. ¡Nada bueno! Gracias.
3: Right, Alex, for your time, um, and thank you everyone for your questions. We'll be bringing out a player momentarily.
1: Wow, lots to talk about. Uh, Robert, you had a question for Alex Covello in regards to uh, what he saw in the team, what impressed him the most with the, the, uh, you know, in this victory and whether it's going to be a springboard for the team moving forward. And uh, one thing that I noticed Covello mentioned, and I don't know if this was just like a translation thing, but he mentioned that uh, there's a, a lot of personality out there. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are in regards to his response to your question.
2: Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, it's it's a real promising sign, you know, players that, you know, winning is contagious, we'll just say it that way. And when you're playing well, you want to keep playing and you want to keep playing well and you want to get out there again. You know, I imagine this team was pretty disappointed after the result in Toronto. Um, I, uh, well, actually, I should say that. I think they're disappointed they didn't win the game in Toronto. I think they were, uh, you know, excited to to walk out of there with a point. But, you know, that's one of those draws that feels like a loss. And, you know, getting to get back on the field pretty quickly w- was a positive. You know, this team played with their heads up. You know, they were looking for each other. They were, there was sort of a kind of a trust and excitement out there. They weren't hanging their heads, they weren't pointing fingers, you know, they weren't, you know, kind of playing the blame game when when things started to go bad. They 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 kept their personality intact. And, you know, for a team that has struggled, you know, that can be fragile at times. Um, and I was impressed that, you know, the way the players contort themselves, comported themselves in that first half. As Covello said, he noticed it too. I think we all did. You know, that's the kind of Quakes team you want to see with more regularity. So when I when I heard him respond, and he did give the players full credit, absolutely, uh, as a players' coach like he is, that's what he's going to do. Um, but I think it's well deserved. You know, the players came out and they and they showed they weren't going to shy away from the big stage against their biggest rival, and uh, you know, really put them in a hole that uh, fortunately they weren't able to recover from.
1: And before we shift over to you, Alex, because because you asked the uh, the heavy hitter question about the head coaching job, I do want to mention really quickly, since we have everybody here, uh, make sure you check out uh, quakesepicenter.com where you can find the you know the articles that are written by our wonderful writers, the salary spreadsheet, and of course our Patreon, which Jamin has just posted here at the bottom of the screen. You can also see the banner going across there. If you go to quakesepicenter.com/patreon, you can see um, how you can contribute to our website in order to become a patron. And if you contribute at least $5, you can also join our Quakes Epicenter Slack where you can have some of the most fun discussions with some of the best writers that we have on our staff. Okay. All that being said, Alex, I'm going to go ahead and kick it back over to you. You asked point blank to Alex Covello whether or not he wants the permanent coaching job. Are you satisfied with his response?
0: Well, he didn't give us an answer. And uh, I, I think the reason uh, that that he was more coy about it is because either way whether he's made head coach or not he's going to stay in this earthquakes organization he he was the director of methodology before working with the youth academy uh, and the, the pipeline into the first team uh, and presumably if he's not appointed the permanent head coach uh, then he he will uh, return to that position so that's probably why we didn't hear of. Super direct answer uh, from Alex Cavello about that question, uh, but I'm expecting we're gonna we're gonna hear uh, shortly about where the Quakes are at in that uh, you know search process for a new head coach because this week uh, Jeff Carlisle for ESPN and, and the Athletic broke a lot of news about that search process. We heard that Landon Donovan is one of six. All right, everyone. Um, it looks like we will be and, bringing in uh, we'll uh, Jeremy this, above uh, sea in a pressure. few minutes.
3: So. Uh, again, we'll be bringing in Jeremy Obobese in roughly five minutes. Thank you.
0: All right. I don't know if you all can hear that, but we're going to be speaking with Jeremy Obobese, uh very shortly. Uh, but as I was saying, we we, we uh, heard from uh, Jeff Collier's reporting and, and the Athletics reporting that uh, there are six head coaches who are currently under consideration, all of whom uh, have extensive experience in Major League Soccer. That's one of the uh, qualities that Chris Leach was looking for in this, this new head coaching appointment. Uh, is to bring in somebody who knows how to win in Major League Soccer, presumably because Matias Almeida didn't know how to win in Major League Soccer. Uh, and so I, I think we might have a, a guest appearance possibly from, from Jamin Moore to discuss that news later in the show. Uh, but but I think it's – it's I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Alex Cavallo specifically uh, because I, I think in this game uh, we saw um, his strong suit as a coach and some of his weaknesses because – Uh, he righted, uh, I think, a lot of the errors that Matias Almeida was making as a head coach. He made this team much more dangerous going forward by simplifying the way that they attack, by making them uh, stronger in transition, pressing higher up the field to win the ball. That's what made the Quakes strong in this first half. Now, in the second half, we saw some of his weaknesses as a coach, and I think that's his hesitancy, his reluctance to make some decisive second half substitutions the Quakes were up 3-0 at the half I think in that moment they really needed to uh, play more defensively to shut down the game possibly bring on a bunch of defensive substitutions uh, to prevent the Galaxy from coming back because the Galaxy made three offensive substitutions. they brought on Douglas Costa one who looked fantastic Uh, And that really changed the game. It it, uh, brought the game wide open. The Quakes allowed a goal early in the second half, uh, and they looked really rattled. We're talking about the patron slack. There was a lot of nervous energy in the patron slack tonight uh, because it looked like the Quakes could give this game away. And when you're up 3-0 at halftime, they should have never put themselves in that position. I think that uh, they could have brought on some of those defensive subs a lot earlier. When when he eventually did uh, make those defensive subs, I thought that uh, they played well and they started to shut down the game, but they they really needed to make that switch earlier in the game, and I think it was predictable uh, the the fact that they they allowed the Galaxy to get back in without making those changes.
2: You know, kind of, kind of to chime in on that too. You know, when they when they did make their subs, and I was also kind of yelling at my TV after a while, they're like, "Okay, we can't put this off any longer." If, you know, they got to get some out guys out there to control the ball. I thought having Gray Goose in there was a, was a perfect substitution. You know, a guy who plays with his heads up, a guy who can look for passes, a guy who's not. Uh, you know, Romedi a strong defensive midfielder, but I don't see him as the same kind of uh, orchestrator as Gray Goose was. And so we saw moments in that 70th minute. 75th, 80th minute period, where the Quakes were able to regain that possession, something that's been a hallmark of their ability this season. Bat the ball around a little bit, just enough to slow the Galaxy down, frustrate them a little bit, and you know allow the defenders to catch their breath. So I think all of that, and it was maybe a bit late. All right, thank everyone for your patience. Worked.
3: We're now joined by forward Jeremy Abobese. uh Let's go straight into questions, starting with one from Alex. Moria.
0: Hi Jeremy, Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Congratulations on the the victory and on the goal. Uh, You know, you scored three goals early in in that first half. What was going well for you tonight up front? Uh, Why do you think that that you guys uh, were able to succeed so much in first half? It felt like those offensive transitions were really sharp. What do you think uh, allowed that to happen?
7: Yeah, I think the offensive transitions were sharp and people were decisive when it came time to make decisions, whether it was the decision to press out of our shape, the decision to engage a defender in the box in Benji's case, uh, Jamiro's pass and the weight of that pass, understanding what was around him. So I don't think our buildup in the first half was where it's been in other games. I think we struggled to break certain types of lines, but uh, as a team, our defensive line was, was excellent in the first half and made it difficult uh, for them to play out and ultimately resulted in some good chances and, and some good combination play uh, throughout that half. Second half was a, a different story, but you know when you're on the road in this league against a team, that's uh, a, a, better, a, a better team than uh, others. You know that they're going to try to lead an onslaught opening up that second half. And so to concede a goal as early as we did was challenging, and made it a little bit more difficult than we wanted it. But thought uh, we managed, you know, minutes 60 to 80, 83 pretty well. thought uh, we started to suck some of the life out of the game and, and uh, to give them life again in the 85th minute was not what we needed, but it's a it's a character moment for this team. We've seen this team come back from behind so many times, But uh, how many times have we seen us maintain a lead no matter how secure on the road. Uh, Not very many times since I've been here and definitely none this year. So uh, a step forward to the football Next
3: question, Bobby Rankle. Hey, Jeremy,
7: congratulations on the Cali Cali Classical win and congratulations on the goal. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your relationship with Wando as a coach. I know this might be the most goal scoring season or tied for the most that you have, but has Wando been helping you in the boardroom or in the tape room to kind of show you what he's learned over the
5: years as a player? Thank you.
7: Wando's been a big help since I've gotten to this club, both when he was a player and now as a coach, I think when the player it was more on field, kind of picking each other's brains through finishing sessions, understanding what works, how to react after certain types of misses, how to make sure that we're getting more and more chances and also just feeding off of each other maybe when we aren't able to find those chances in games and, and trying to tailor each other's movements and, and I think the mutual respect um, was there from day one which I appreciated from him because frankly I've done nothing compared to him so for, for him to be as level-headed as he was and continues to be it's a huge asset and something that gives me confidence and now as a coach it's not just me it's, it's all the attackers the way he breaks the game down the way he uh, shows us tendencies of opposing defenses, talks us through them, and especially the last few games, we've been really able to execute on them. Uh, So Wando, the staff, have really allowed this attacking group to come together uh, in the way that they want us to play. And and credit to the whole group, because so far, it's been pretty good execution.
3: Thank you, Jeremy. Let's take a few more, starting with Robert Jonas. Uh,
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I sense a little humility there in your answer. Um, um, You're you're a top-notch forward yourself, and I do have a question related to that. Um, But I wanted to to also ask about something your coach Alex Cavello said about tonight's victory. He said that, uh, you know, the players deserve all this credit. Um, um, Players, you know, you were all showing your personality out there. Uh, That was a big part of this win. I I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on what that means to you to hear your coach talk about it like that. And then after that, I do think it's really important to mention you have reached your career uh, high in goals with 11. there's still 16 games remaining in this season so as you look ahead to the basically the second half of the season you know what are some of the uh, the expectations you have for yourself you know having you know, put together a fantastic foundation so
5: far thank you uh,
7: on that last part just trying to get in goal scoring positions and trying to be as clinical as possible I know that as a forward, if I'm scoring, sure, it's great for me and I take a, a ton of pride in that. But also it also alleviates a lot of pressure on our midfield, on our back line. It allows them to manage the game differently instead of uh, maybe have to deal with more pressure, having to come from behind and, and service us against uh, a more stringent, tight back line. So the more clinical we can be, the more we can turn half chances into goals. The more I can do that, the, the happier I'll be for myself. But I think the better off the team will be as well. And that goes for for all of us across the front three and and, uh, some of the attacking-minded midfielders. I think Alex and the coaching staff have have worked really hard uh, to put us in this position. And they have given us license to go out and express ourselves, kind of carrying on the foundation that was built at this club. And it's something that we appreciate. They are demanding but that's only because they understand what we can do, what we can achieve, and how high we can climb. So uh, for him to, to note our personality tonight uh, is is energizing, especially when we look at some some key fixtures coming up. But uh, the respect has to go back uh, to the coaching staff because they have put in a ton of work. and. It's been hard, it's never easy coming in and and transitioning, but uh, we have been ready in in basically every game we've played. So one step along the way, hopefully uh, an energizing one, one that leads to more wins on the road and more security at home. And then we'll see where we can go from there. But one step at a time for myself, for the team, for us as individuals, We can't get caught up in the success of tonight. We have work to do.
3: Thank you. And we'll take one final question from Sydney Hunter. Go ahead, Sydney.
6: Hey, Jeremy, can you hear me all right? Yeah. Um, You kind of answered the question um, I had um, just now, but. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, you know, this being your first away win of the season, uh, and again, and the second time in a row you've beaten uh, the Galaxy and Carson, that's the first time it's ever happened in San Jose history. Uh, how do you use this as a jumping off spot? Uh, you kind of ventured it, but uh, how do you really build on this while well, keeping that mindset that, you know, it's just you have to move forward and, you know, again, build upon it? Yeah, it's important to keep it in
7: perspective while appreciating the level of accomplishment and the, the level of desire that it took to get this victory done tonight. Three goals in, in Carson with this rivalry is never easy. To do it, uh, to win back to back times here is something I know our whole entire club appreciates. And now we have to build off of it. It's, it's not enough to be pleased with tonight, knowing that we still have 16 games left and each game is going to require something different. So what I'm most proud about is although we allowed them to creep back into the game, we held steady. Uh, We did not break and we held it down 3-2. Whereas in Vancouver, uh, we conceded in the 95th minute. And I remember saying to some of the guys in the locker room, we need guts in those moments we need to show the ability to close games out in the ugliest ways possible on the road. And at times it was ugly tonight, at times JT needed to make saves, but at times we managed the game really well. And I think this is a learning moment that we can replicate in other moments, but it takes full attentiveness from everyone on the field, everyone coming in from the bench. And if we can put together 90-minute games, plus. I think we can we can do something special, something that may be seen out of reach, you
3: know, a few months ago. Thank you, Rory. We're actually going to take one final, quick question from Jamir. Go ahead. James.
4: Hey, Jeremy. Congratulations uh, on the victory and uh, congratulations on getting a goal and, and a victory on the same time. It's nice to talk to you. Um, the uh, one of the things that uh, has been happening over the past few games is Jamiro Montero has been really finding. Some great form, and uh, you know he's been assisting you uh, for many of those assists. All of his assists and goals have come in the last 11 games of the season. We know sometimes central midfielders things don't quite click; they make great, great chances, but they don't necessarily turn into goals all the time. What is it that's working really well right now, you know, for you and Jamiro where this connection is really working well for both of you? Thank you.
7: Muted. Yeah, he's a really good player. Uh, he came in a little bit later in in the preseason so i think naturally there was an adjustment period but from the moment he got here we recognized his talent and i think for myself as a center forward especially i think the wingers got it a little quicker than i did it's really understanding how he likes to play his final passes, Um, and i think i'm understanding more and more i think you know some of the other guys who maybe didn't understand how to get the most out of those passes are, are getting in better spots and getting shots off and Getting goals, you don't necessarily see it all the time in games, but in practice, uh, I see it. And he's someone we have to feed; we have to give him the ball because he's capable of scoring. And teams have to respect, you know, his goals, born powers, as as he scored and showed against Portland. But it, it's a special player, and, and we need to continue to to build off of what he brings to the attack because uh, sometimes. And I'll point to myself in Chicago, he'll put us in good spots and, and we won't be able to finish them. And so maybe it might reflect a little bit differently on him that he doesn't have that assist. But we know what he brings to the team. And with him on the field, we
3: know that we're going to get at least one clear chance a game. And so it's on us to find a way to finish it. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks, Jeremy, again for your time. And thank you, everyone, for your questions. Thanks, everyone.
1: Jeremy Obobese, arguably one of the better uh, interviews post-game that the weeks have right now. I mean, just a humble guy, uh, very calm, and just answers every question, you know, as far as he could, given uh, his professional demeanor. Um, there's a lot to talk about here. I, I really actually, I liked Fabian's question, uh, Fabian Rankel, Tectonic Takes, uh, about his relationship with Chris Wondolowski and uh, Jabo actually went into quite a bit of detail about what what that relationship looked like on the field and now what it is as a coach. Um, and then Alex, you asked him, uh, you know, what was going well in that first half, and he kind of gave a response about the decisiveness of the players, kind of going back onto what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. And uh, Robert, you were, you know, in, in response to your question, he talked about how uh, the team was able to, or you know, him scoring goals was a, was able to alleviate pressure from the midfield and the back line. Um, but one one thing that I really wanted to get into, and Jamin actually asked this question, and I, I thought uh, j had a really interesting answer, was how Jamiro Montero is affecting the team and why he's working so well, and and Jabo admittedly stated that he didn't quite, you know, he wasn't latching onto those passes or finding the passes, whereas the wingers were at first, and he was kind of detailing how um, his relationship has developed with him and how it's gotten better over time, so I'm, you know, hopefully we can have Jamin hop on here in just a moment so he can talk about that and some other Things regarding coaching that that he's got information about. Oh, there he is, Jamin. Why don't you uh, why don't you hop on here and give us your thoughts about
0: the, the Wizard of Oz stepping stepping back from the, the screen and gracing up with his his appearance.
4: I I just like to let you guys shine a bit. No, it, it's it's, uh, it's awesome. We have a great team here, and uh, we we like the three person show. But uh, I'll will step in for a little bit for for the coaching stuff. Uh, what was the question you wanted me to answer phil apologies
1: oh so you had you had asked him a question about his relationship with jamiro montero and yeah. kind of like where that is and you know uh you know which point they are together and japo had stated basically that he wasn't quite finding those passes at first but the wingers were the first ones to kind of catch on and his relationship with montero has sort of developed over time and has become what it is now and so right. i'm just curious as to what your thoughts are to his response and then hopefully we can kind of uh, double back and talk a little bit about the coaching stuff that you wanted to bring onto the show yeah
4: I- I think it's very fair to say that uh, Jamiro, you know, there were certain qualities that we got to see at the very beginning of the season immediately when he stepped on the pitch, particularly his ability to recover uh, and cover ground in situations. I mean, the only Quakes player I can remember who's who covers that much ground was, you know, Judson back a couple of years back when he was fully fit and healthy and, and playing that defensive midfielder role and kind of had the license to go wherever he needed to to stop counterattacks. Jamiro Montero, as soon as the Quakes lose the ball, you know, he's tracking back already. Um, You know, the man's got an engine. You talk about, you know, engine players, Jamiro Montero's got an engine. And, uh, you know, I could only imagine how well the Quakes would be able to cover ground with a fully fit, you know, 2019 uh, Judson, who, uh, you know, I think is still kind of struggling back from from injury and such. But, uh, you know, that's the thing. Now we're starting to see that passing come into play. Um, in fact, when he doesn't hold the ball or he has a turnover, it's almost surprising. And you're kind of like, come on, Jamiro, we know you're capable of, of, of doing better than that. And I think like when you have the ability to say that about a player, you know, that means that, you know, you, you expect greatness from that player on a consistent basis. And I think Jamiro Montero is reaching that, uh, you know, more often than not in most games for this team right now.
0: And I just want to jump in here briefly because one thing that that Obobese said was that uh, the wingers, you know, I were, were had a really strong connection with Jameer Montero in the, the first few games of the season, and it took a while for. Uh, for him to really figure out how to connect with Jameer Montero. And I, I think that's exactly right, because first few games of this season, the thing that Jameer Montero provided that was dangerous for the Quakes was the long balls over the top. He was finding Espinosa every time, picking his head up, finding Espinosa in behind, Cade Cowell sometimes as well. But now what's really impressed me is the short interplay uh, and connection that he has with Abobasi, And that's huge for Abobasi because Abobasi looked a little lost in the first few games of this season. He looked very lost uh, last season after he returned from from his concussion uh, and he, he wasn't able to connect with the midfield very well. And there was an open question as to whether he'd be able to succeed in that number nine position. That's why he came to San Jose in order to cement uh, his his position at, at number nine uh, after playing on the wing for Portland. Jameer Montero is the player that can connect the midfield to Jeremy obobasi and that gets the best out of both players. And we are seeing that now uh, and so Jameer Montero, I think, is is everything to this team. And one more thing I'll add is that, look, this team already has some of the best, I think, offensive players in Major League Soccer, in Jeremy Obobese and Jameer Montero. And they're not even at full capacity right now. They still have a DP spot open. They still have lots of Tam and Gam to work with. They still have lots of roster cap space to work with. And they just sold, uh, they just let go of two of their uh, starting players in Francisco Cavo and Shofis. So if this is how good the San Jose Earthquakes can play now, they're capable of a lot more if they make the right additions in this summer transfer window. Uh, I think they have uh, room for, for two more additions. And that's why it's important uh, for uh, Chris Leach to make the head coaching decision now. Uh, as soon as possible so that the quakes can add those two players in the summer transfer window. And, and I guess that segues into our conversation about the, the head coach, which has been raging in the, the chat now for the best part of an hour. <laughs>
4: let me, let me uh, circle back to Montero real quick before we, before we do that though, <laughs> because one of the things that I think is really important to recognize about Jamiro is it's not easy to predict what he's going to do in situations like it was previous players who were kind of responsible for driving this offense. So think back to a guy like Vaco. You knew what Vaco was going to do. He was going to put his head down. He was going to dribble with the right foot and try to, you know, get a shot as he's cutting across the face of goal. He did the same thing every single time. Like we all knew what Vaco was going to do. Um, uh, You know, the same thing to some extent with Christian Espinoza is he got a little bit predictable uh, over the last couple of years and defenses schemed for him now having a jamiro montero how do you scheme for a jamiro montero um i don't i just don't feel like you can put him into some sort of box and say these are the only ways that jamiro montero can hurt you i think every single game he's been hurting teams in a in a, in a different way um from the attacking side and i think that's what's really interesting right now about what we're seeing in jamiro montero he's playing with a lot of freedom and that freedom is giving him kind of this license of creativity and I don't think we've seen everything necessarily that Jamiro Montero can even do um, until those situations arise in a game and, and he's put in the spots to have to be creative in those situations as well. And that's exactly what you want in a ten.
1: All right, do I need to prompt the, uh, the coach? No, we can go to the coach yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> I I, and Robert, I, I don't want to exclude you from the conversation as well. So um, and by all means, if you have anything to add into the Jimmero Montero discussion, now would be the
2: time. I, I, I don't know if there's anything else to add other than uh, you know when, when your number 10 is getting hot at the right time and your number nine is banging in goals, uh, You know that's the kind of momentum you want to build on. Uh, I think the only thing I wrote down in my notes here listening to C's uh, press conference, which I think I write every time, is that you know he's probably the Quakes player I'd most like to sit down and just have a coffee with and chat about things. You know, probably one of the more thoughtful players, and and, and always has time for questions. So, um, you know, not only the uh, the Quakes' uh, Golden Boot winner uh, or Golden Boot leader at this point, but also probably the uh, the leader in the coffee house if there is one.
1: All right, Jamin. The uh, all right. So I mean, so what do we? Yeah, playing? come on, I mean, you see the question. all right. I know you've you've been producing the show. The the big thing is like, who are the Quakes going to hire as head coach? uh,
4: So we definitely do not know the answer to that question yet. And it's not because like, I know, but I'm not telling you, uh, or I've been told I can't tell you. Um, I think there still is some decision to make here. I do, I am at, I'm at the point where at least from a noise perspective, there are stronger candidates than others. And i you know, let me just try to address the landing question. What I understand about the land in situation, you know, according to sources that, that me and some of the Quakes Epicenter staff, you know, have access to, uh, and we're not, you know, we're not, uh, look, we're not Jeff Carlisle, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and we're not even, you know, the athletic staff. So I don't know the quality of their sources to be quite honest, but. From what I understand, I don't think Landon is a leading candidate. I think he is in the final six. We know there are six. Jeff Carlisle um, was able to source that information. I know who his sources on that particular bit of information. He got the number from within the club, and I believe that that number is accurate. So there is six on a short list right now. That's the first. We've had a real good confirmation of that particular number. But the Landon information did not come you know from within the club to carlisle that much i know James so carlisle got some, that from somewhere some
0: next level chess here scooping just, the just, scoop I'm just
4: i'm just trying to like help people understand how these how these things happen because i don't claim to be a scoops guy i never will be a scoops guy i'm an analyst uh i don't try to play the scoops game but sometimes information makes its way to me and you guys know that know the drill sometimes it makes its way to you as well so look my information is that Landon is a candidate, he's in the final six, but he's not, I don't think, top rung in the final six. I don't think. Now, there's a lot of noise around it right now. And if you're the the front office, you got to look at the noise and going like, well, there's a lot of noise. Like, you know, it's, it's we're in the news. That That's great. But guess what? Last time you got a coach that put you in the news. His name was Matias Almeida and you struggled for four years so you know my perspective is just because someone is a newsworthy coach doesn't really mean it's the right move for this particular team I think the the names that you've heard us talk about on this show the most are still in kind of the leading candidate roles there are some names that I've heard that were not in the athletic article at all that I've been told are on the short list so either the athletic has some names wrong or I have some names wrong I don't know who's right. To be quite honest, I'm not saying I'm right or they're right. I'm just saying that we have sources, and those sources are not in complete agreement right now. So, yeah, your guess is as good as ours. But I think it uh, it sets up for you know an interesting you know few weeks here as we uh, kind of get this final decision. I I'm going to be interested if Cavella is going on a run here and this team is winning road games and home games, even if he's not going to be the the decision that you go with. Don't you kind of gotta let the season play out? And then what do you do? You announce a coach and then you just kind of like, well, but is gonna see the season out and then that coach is now not gonna show up until after the season. It's a little bit weird. Like the best time to make an make a announcement about a coach who is not named Cabello is going to be after the Quakes lose two or three games in a row. <laughs> when you're beating your rival, you're not going to come out the next day and go like, Hey, we named a head coach and it's not Alex Cabello. I mean, it's just not going to work. So I don't know if they're waiting for like timing on this of like, you know, how they want to do it, or if they sincerely are still working their way through the short list. But what I can say is that um, there was supposed to be originally a press conference today. It's now been pushed to next Monday. That we were are supposed to be able to, to ask questions of Chris leach and I don't think it's limited to coaching or players, I think it's just like whatever we want to ask Q and a. Um, and Robert Alex and I are all invited to be there, hopefully we'll be able to, to make it or at least a couple of us will so we'll have more to say and tune into quicks epicenter because we'll either do an episode or put some articles out or something and give you our perspective on. it.
0: And, and we don't know why that press conference was delayed we do but not the I fact that, that we didn't get an answer the fact that it was scheduled to be this week and then it got postponed suggests that there is some news that the club is waiting to announce and uh, i certainly expect that uh, uh they're reaching a decision point uh, in in regards to this head coaching search and that they will have have news to announce fairly shortly it, it feels like it's reaching a boiling point Or it could be a player announcement
4: and they didn't get things they didn't didn't get dry on on a contract or something like that. You know, it's possible we could get a a player announcement, it's actually the right timing for a player announcement, to be quite honest. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that feels more likely to me, but in some ways it actually kind of does feel more likely to me to get a player announcement right now than a coaching announcement. Again, considering where the team is at and, you know, how Cabello is moving this team along, winning home games, now beating your rival like it just again seems weird if he's not going to be your head coach moving forward to make that announcement and maybe that's maybe that's the reason it got postponed we don't really know so hopefully that is some info right Robert anything uh you uh, have on top of that um, you know you were invited to the press conference as well I don't know if
2: you had any insight Yeah, nothing uh, but my own conjecture and working off my own experience, you know, it feels a lot like it's, you know, more centered around coaching and maybe an update on, you know, the the situation and the search. And a lot of that, you know, when, when, you know, Jeff Carlisle puts out his tweet, you know, The Athletic follows up with a few more you know, name drops as far as who those candidates are. Right, yeah. ahead, of, right ahead of a press conference. Right Keep ahead of 90, a press conference. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Usually, usually, you know, news breaks and news comes out in that in that avenue as a precursor to to some sort of announcement. Um, So with that in mind, you're right. It, it, you know, the timing of it, you know, does, you know, this was a tough week anyway, just having three games in the week, it was going to be hard for, for people to sit down and, and, and do that kind of conversation. So I think that's a part, part of why they're probably waiting until, uh, until next week. Um, but it may, it may just be, you know, this is our plan. This is when things are going to happen. If it's not Alex Covello, it might be, well, here's the timeline that we expect our new coach right. to take over just to kind of lay it out there and let it be known. You know, whereas Alex Covello could be very, you know, hurt by that given that he does have ambitions as, as a coach, you know, he does have a fallback position, you know, the Quakes aren't, you know, letting him go because, uh, he didn't uh, get promoted to head coach. You know, he's been putting in, yeoman effort to, to, to do this job and, and kind of do his previous, you know, his, his, his previous duties in some regard, you know, so, you know, that's not necessarily a, a kind of a slap in the face to Covello if he doesn't get this job. Um, and so I think that's par- partially why we're getting that uh, notification and the timing.
4: So can I, asking, I I was just going to say, Freddie's asking when the summer window closes. That seems like a good question to answer. It's August 7th, I think. So. Yeah. So yeah. It's, about, it's, a, it's a month long. The window open on July 7th, closes around August 7th as well.
0: Can I can I stir the pot, Phil, a little bit? I oh, think we stir can, it. We can stir it a little bit here. All right, here's my my hot take for the night is that I think that Landon Donovan as head coach for the San Jose Earthquakes would be a great appointment. I think that uh, giving Landon Donovan a head coaching position in Major League Soccer makes sense. I think he's ready for the job. He's done a great job with the San Diego Loyal, they're third uh, in the USL right now. Uh, and I think that he's an incredibly smart guy. I, I had the chance to interview him back uh, during the the All Star uh, Homegrown game in 2016. Uh, he cares a lot about the San Jose community. I think, uh, even though uh, he he left San Jose in fairly acrimonious circumstances back in uh, the 2000s, uh, that over the last four or five years uh, he's tried to heal some of those I think uh, wounds. And uh, I think that uh, he's in, he's incredibly thoughtful. I think that. Uh, he would make a a great coaching appointment in Major League Soccer. Uh, I, I know that that's not a popular... Uh, sentiment among earthquakes fans, uh, I but I, all, I said I was stirring right the pot. I, I I I announced my intentions before before <laughs> everyone I everyone get this. in all the right.
4: comments and blast Alex. All, all right,
0: all right. Now I know the comments are static, but my voice is active, and, and I'm
2: going to say something to back up Alex, which I think is also important. And you know, yes, sports fandom is not uh, you know based on rational uh, thinking; it's quite often emotional, and I get that. Um, one thing I wanted to add, and I was looking back to see if I could get the the transcript to my full interview. Uh, Opportunity when when Landon Donovan um, visited as part of Club Leon and, and the friendly friendly a few years back at uh, then whatever the stadium was named we'll call it Earthquake Stadium um, there were a lot of questions related to that you know that departure um, as we've learned over the years you know Landon is uh, you know someone who you know has a sensitivity, which, uh, you know, I think is is uh, you know, he's been very open about. And there were some issues that he was having mentally and being in San Jose and not being closer to home. Um, if you can forgive him for that, or if you can understand that, then I don't think you would uh, necessarily think he deserves to be pinotted as much as maybe he was at the time. And that, you know, he is someone at that time even said the same things. You know, he's always had a special uh, place in his heart for his experience in San Jose and always enjoys his visits up here. So, so I think there is genuine uh, love for this club for the ex- experience he had and again emotions are going to make us all feel differently about uh, different situations but I mean if, you, if you're if you objective about it I agree with you Alex I think uh, Landon would be a fantastic coach for this team. I, I'm, I'm wasn't... in it for
0: the plot I'm in it for the plot I want the Landon Donovan redemption arc I think that would be the <laughs> biggest story in Major League Soccer if Landon so, Donovan takes over this well, team. with, with Apple
2: TV well. next year they've got to come up with these interesting stories for their drive. A new we got
4: to get an Style drive to survive. So, so the analyst wants to give his analyst opinion, and then oh, I'll go out on. and let you guys have your platform. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah. my the feedback that uh, that has come in and from multiple sources now, uh, including I think the Quakes Center Slack, if I remember right, I'm trying to remember exactly where some of this info came from, but uh, I've talked to a to two three people about this. Is that Donovan is not actually any sort of tactician. Um, He's actually kind of like Pablo Mastroni uh, at RSL. He's really kind of like the locker room guy and keeping the peace and keeping players motivated and stuff like that. And his assistants are actually tacticians. Look at the other uh, people for the most part that are on the list, the actual, so the list at least that I have, I'm not talking necessarily about the, the athletic list, but think of the people that we've been talking about on this show. Those are the people that actually are tacticians. They are coaches that speak to coaches. They are people who design their own style of play and such. So if you get Landon, you need to know what you're getting. You're not getting the person that you go like, "Oh, those were bad tactics." You know, "Boo Landon, you did a bad job on the tactics this game." It's like, "No, it's actually his assistance. Landon's over there giving giving his assistance the run of what the tactics would be. He's not going to be that guy." So if you want to lay, you know, tactical problems on the head coach, you don't want Landon. At least that's what I hear from several sources. So uh, I'm just giving you guys like a little bit of the uh, understanding. Yes, Almeida was not a tactician. Look, look at this comment right here. Here we go, hang on, right here, right here. Almeida was not a tactician. How did that go? By the way, it went pretty well so long as he had El Maestro. As soon as he didn't have El Maestro, didn't go so well. Yeah, great locker room, they loved him. Didn't want him to leave, if you can believe some of the information that's been coming out uh, recently, which I do. I actually think I Almeida kept the locker room the whole time. I think they did love him. But when he lost the tactician, this team was in trouble and uh, never quite uh, never quite figured it out. So there you go. Great comment. All right. I think that about
1: wraps up that that conversation. I'm, Jamie, out. Thank you. I, thank I'm you. out, guys. Thank you so much. The floor is yours. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Why don't we? Uh, we're at about an hour into the show right now, gentlemen. Why don't we go ahead and move toward our final comment section, and you can add in whatever last things that you had brewing into the last part of the show here. I'm gonna kick it over to Robert Jonas first. Robert, let's hear your final thoughts after this uh, three to two victory over the LA Galaxy.
2: Uh, you always love to see a win against uh, the LA Galaxy, they, they don't happen often enough, probably because they don't play as often as they used to, but, uh, you know, this was one of those uh, victories that's not going to make a top 10 list. But again, I think uh, I use the word springboard in my question to, to Alex Cavella tonight. It feels like that kind of game. And when you have a Houston game right around the corner, another team that's, you know, kind of battling to, to potentially be relevant this year with Ace Ace just joining the squad. And, and they've got some momentum that they're trying to capitalize on. That becomes a really important game. Um, my player of the match was, was JT and, and Marcos Lopez was uh, maybe, you know, just behind him in that, in that category. Unfortunately, uh, Marcus Lopez as we'll be missing the next match because of yellow card accumulation, I think that's a you know pretty big loss for this uh, team in terms of making sure they can kind of fill that full full back slot. But you know when you got JAT out there, you know standing on his head again, and uh, as uh, as John Strong was saying on the broadcast, pretty much leading MLS in every single category, which you know, we know is not always the best thing, but doing it anyway, uh, you know I, I feel pretty good about uh, the the momentum this team has, and I'm looking forward to Sunday night and seeing them continue it.
1: All right. Alex Morgan.
0: I, I'm seeing a comment here from Christian in the chat saying that you need to put the ball in, in your in, in the net and, and there's your tactics. I think for the earthquakes, it's more about keeping the ball out of the net. Offensively, we know they have some firepower. Defensively, uh, they can struggle. And uh it it almost came back to bite them in this second half. And I think uh, the biggest reason that this team was able to stay in the game was JT Marcinkowski. I haven't talked about JT Marcinkowski on the show yet tonight, but I truly think he's one of the best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. His shot stopping is incredible. His ability to close down a 1v1 is incredible, and he deserves more more plaudits for what he's doing. There's another strong game from JT Marcinkowski tonight. And Look, I'm going to bang this drum until the Quakes finally make some signings. The Quakes also need more depth back there. Jeremy Abobasi said on this show, he said on the post-match press conference, that they, they had grit, and that was the difference tonight and, and the reason why they were able to hold on to this win. Grit is great. Some depth defensively would also be nice uh, if they're able to bring on a really strong defensive midfielder in the second half. I think that this that would do worlds for this team. And they really need a replacement uh, somewhere in the back line for, for Francisco Calvo and uh, possibly... Uh, at, at, at fullback as well. So I think if they make those additions, if they sign the right head coach, a game like this shows that they have promised shows that they're capable of making the playoffs still this season, the odds say 538 odds says they're still somewhere around 15%. Uh, I think that that feels about right. Uh, and if they continue making these steps, we could we could see that climb I I'm clinging on to my optimism, uh, as much as Jamin tells me to abandon it. <laughs>
1: You know, you guys took the words right out of my mouth in regards to JT Marcinkowski, because I was finally going to come around to that uh, Mike, I know you brought it up in the chat a couple times, and, and we did want to talk about JT. Uh, Robert's right, though. He is leading all the categories right now, uh, including shots uh, stopped, you know, and... Uh, goals allowed, and you know, pretty. It reminds me a lot of uh, the John Bush era when he had. But see, John Bush had Victor Bernardes and Clarence Goodson, and we've got Tanner Beeson and Nathan, and I, we'll we'll see if that's uh, a comparable or if that relationship is going to be as strong as. And Alex is shaking his head. I don't know that it is either, but we'll see if that's going to be as good as that old uh, back line was. I think at some point, though, Alex, you're right. The Quakes are going to have to invest in that part of the pitch, so that way they at least have a rotation there. Because you see what happens when guys get yellow card accumulation. Look at what's going on with Marcos Lopez right now. As Robert mentioned, we're not going to have him next week against the or this weekend against the Houston Dynamo. So that's going to be a bit tricky. So um, the last thing I wanted to mention was it was great to see Shea Salinas get some uh, meaningful minutes in this match as well. We didn't really talk about Shea. Uh, he there we go. <laughs> he got the I problem. don't.
0: I don't have the scars that, that Robert Jonas has. Robert Jonas makes me feel a little insecure about, about my blank background here, so I had to bring out the Shea bobblehead because <laughs> I do have this, and I do feel like it makes up for the lack of scarves. Uh, that's, that's, that's a true winner there, Alex. Definitely, definitely. Love it, love it.
1: <laughs> and I do actually have a scarf here as well. I, I bought this scarf. This is a really rare Quake scarf. I'm, I'm wondering if any of y'all have this one who are watching right now on YouTube or if you've seen it, or Robert, if you have this one. I bought this scarf in 2011 at the uh, the Earthquakes and New York Red Bulls match at Stanford. Stanford Stadium. It was the first match at Stanford Stadium. That's where I got this scarf right here. So um, if you ever see me out at a Quakes game at PayPal or wherever, I will probably have this scarf on me right here. Pretty rare one. Anyway, uh, it was great to see Shea get the minute. He is a Cali Classico legend, as all you true Quakes fans know. And um, and it, it was it's good that JT Marcinkowski got recognized before we got out of here as well. So um, Alex, one more thing you want to mention?
0: don't have any retro quake scarves but i do have a quake's epicenter scarf and uh that might be a nice segue into our our patreon segment because uh we're going to be making some merchandise soon it's been uh, promised for a long time we are making progress on it so if you subscribe uh, to quake's epicenter's patreon mm-hmm. and support everything we're doing here at quake's epicenter you can go to the Patreon link there uh you might be uh, able to get your hands on some uh, Quake's Epicenter merchandise like this uh, scarf that I've got. I will,
2: I will make room on the wall for one of those, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I don't see any. You're going to have to do some some squishing there, Robert. It feels
2: pretty full. <laughs> uh, the eagle-eyed out there might spy the Galaxy scarf up there, and that's,
1: that's an easy one I can probably replace. Spot. so <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, make sure you check out the website, y'all. Uh, there's a lot of good content on there. As I mentioned before, we've got articles from, from great writers like Asher. we got Robert Jonas on there, Alex Morgan, Colin Etnire has a new article that's there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, we have the Colin Etnire salary spreadsheet. Make sure you find us on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow us on there and like and subscribe to us right here on YouTube. I believe, I don't know if Anae is still keeping it going, there is also the podcast form, the audio form of the show as well. You'll have to look on Spotify to see if you can find that one. And if you click on the little bell right here on YouTube, uh, it turns on notifications, you can find out what the big announcement is going to be that Alex and Robert and Jamin were talking about earlier, whether it's going to be an incoming player, a head coaching decision, or a possible timeline. So... Again, like and subscribe, turn on those notifications, check out our website, and we will see you after the Houston Dynamo game. Take care until then.